All right, thanks, Joe. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Ben, one of the pastors here, and uh, Pastor Andrew is officially on sabbatical, so we'll be having a few guest preachers uh, for the next three months as we do Summer in the Psalms. Uh, Today, I'm going to start things off with a look at the Psalms as a whole, uh, looking at how do we approach the Psalms? What are they good for? What are they? And how do they affect our relationship with God? I want to talk today about the Psalms as learning God's language and how the Psalms empower our relationship with God because language affects relationship. My goal today really is to see more of us, including myself, taking advantage of the Psalms for all they have to offer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here together this morning. God, we thank you for your word, for the book of Psalms that you have gifted to us, to your people. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as I teach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't it strange that the disciples asked Jesus how to pray? In Luke 11... When Jesus had finished praying, he said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Didn't they know? I I think it's significant that they thought it was something that needed to be learned. Jesus' response was a version of the Lord's Prayer that uh, we have an expanded form in Matthew 6 that we just read this morning. Here's what's also interesting. His response, I think, was similar to when the disciples asked, or when he was asked what the greatest commandment is, his answer was basically a summation of the law. Love God and neighbor. And I think in the same way, his answer about prayer was basically a summary of the book of Psalms. The themes in the Lord's Prayer basically cover nearly every theme in the Psalms. I don't think this is surprising since this would have been their prayer book, the book of Psalms. So as we dive into the Psalms this summer, we'll be learning basically how to communicate with God. In the Psalms, God gives us his words to give back to him. We learn his language. This is part of his invitation into relationship with us, a holy God whose ways are so far above our own. It's just like when you learn another language to relate to a different culture. Uh, I remember learning Spanish in high school. How many of you have learned another language? Most of us in here. I loved it. Uh, My Spanish name was Queso. (laughs) I thought it was kind of a cheesy name. (laughs) All right, you're here and awake. That's great. Uh, Our youth group went to Guatemala, and in 10th grade, uh, we helped pour concrete foundations for children's facilities. And you know what I found? I found that the depth of relationship was about equal to the ability to speak their language. The amount of connection was directly connected to our communication. So let's get the lay of the land here with the Psalms. What are the Psalms and how are they organized? 
I know a lot of this is probably too small to read, but I had to fit a lot into one slide here. Well, I didn't have to, but I chose to. Um, the Psalms are the prayer book of God's people, an inspired collection of lyrical poems about God and to God, written within a span of about 500 years, or about 1,000 years if you take in Moses' one psalm. They were compiled after Israel's captivity into these five books, each ending with a doxology. Uh, the Bible Project has a much more in-depth infographic on this, so look that up, uh, The Bible Project. There's great videos on that. Um, if you want to tune out, just bring up a, one of those YouTube videos. Um, so the book of Psalms, like I mentioned, it's actually five books. Uh, and those are the, the psalm chapter, if you will, divisions. Um, the first two books are the introduction to the psalms. And the last five, uh, the first two psalms are the introduction. And the last five psalms are its conclusion. The first two psalms, the first one is on basically love for the Torah or the law, God's law. And the second one is uh, about trusting the Messiah. And these two themes really lay out the entirety of the rest of the Psalms. Um, the end, the conclusion, they all have hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. In the first book, um, David primarily wrote those Psalms. He wrote about a third of the book of Psalms. Um, the second book was David and the Korah, sons of Korah, the, the family of Korah, the Levites. Third book was Asaph, basically David's worship leader. And David wrote most of the last book as well. The first couple books are on the tragic story of David's life. The third book was the, uh, is primarily about the downfall of Israel and David's kingdom and going into exile. And then the fourth and fifth books on hope for a Messiah and a temple and God's kingdom to come and to reign uh, the basic uh, spectrum of the psalms run from primarily lament into primarily praise toward the end of the book. These psalms empower our relationship with God because language impacts relationship. We'll look at the different types of language in the psalms, Jesus' language, early church language, and our language, how this affects us. So the types of language that we see in the Psalms, the best way to get a feel for the languages, uh, language of the Psalms is to read some passages. So um, here are seven main types of languages that we see in the Psalms, starting with praise, uh, reading from Psalm 8, 93, and 45. So Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Psalm 45, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Psalms of thanksgiving, the language of gratefulness to God. Uh, we have an individual thanksgiving psalm in, in uh, Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. And then Psalm 30 is more of a community psalm. Give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is for but a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. And then lament. The, the, about a third of the psalms also is lament, lament psalms. The language of pain, fear, and doubt. 
in the world between our current suffering and our future glory. This is God's deliverance and despair, or as uh, Pastor Mark Vrogop from Indianapolis said, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Psalm 12 is a community lament. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. And Psalm 13 is more of an individual lament. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So let's stop there for a second. Do we get a sense of how we can speak to God in our pain and in our doubting? If you need a place to jump into the Psalms, I would suggest writing down Psalm 30 and Psalm 13. So take Psalm 30 as a thanksgiving to God as a thanks to God and add your own things to it. Maybe write it in your own words. Likewise with Psalm 13 as a lament. Personalize it to your own situation. Let it give you language for your pain and for your gratefulness. The next language in the psalm we find is celebrating God's law. This one might seem out of place a little bit in this list, but it's really a, a, a main theme. The language of rejoicing in God's guidance for us. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And 119, which is the longest psalm in the book, says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And then remembrance. The language of recalling God's goodness. Listen to these psalms. Psalm 77. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. And 78. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has made. So last year, as we were lamenting the times that we found ourselves in, we took to Psalm 77. Andrew preached on it. I wrote a song for the church from it, and we led a prayer gathering through it. This stuff holds real power for our life, language that we'd be hard-pressed to find on our own unless we'd been immersed in it. Another language that, uh, type of language we find is confidence, language of trust in a God who will come through for us. We see this in Psalm 23, probably the most familiar psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And finally, justice, language for enemies, oppressors, and the wicked. Sometimes these are called imprecatory psalms because they imprecate your enemies. Psalm 83 is an example of this. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. In this, they're, they're calling on God to make it right, for his glory, and also so that they might know him. So, 
when Jesus came on the scene, uh, as I mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, we basically have a compressed version of these psalms, and this was really integrated into Jesus' life and Jesus' teaching. We have every reason to believe that Jesus would have sung all these psalms constantly in his life so that he knew them by heart. In fact, he quotes the psalms more than any other book. He used Psalm 118 um, to summarize his sufferings and his exaltation to the Pharisees. And on the cross, he actually recites Psalm 22 and 31, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. The Psalms hold so much prophecy about Jesus' life that I feel like that in itself is enough to highlight its importance and benefit for us as we immerse ourselves in them. The early church language, uh, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16, both call us to speak and to sing the Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Peter, in Acts 2, he says that Psalm 16 must have been referring to the resurrection of Christ. There's so much weight and authority placed on these psalms. There's so much more than just these spiritual sentiments that we find on our mugs. Peter goes right into Psalm 110, which is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, and he uses that as a proof text to say that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. So we see the example of Jesus and his followers being immersed in these psalms, not only for their life, but also how they point to Christ. So what about us and our language? So first of all, Ephesians 2.18 says that we have access to the Father, right? So it's not that, um, it's not that we can't talk to God on our own, right? Um, we do have access to him. 1 John 5.14 says, God hears us when, he, when we ask according to his will. Um, when Jenny's grandpa met her grandma in Germany shortly after the war, legend has it that she only knew four phrases. Yes, in English. Yes, no, happy birthday, and I love you. I think this worked out pretty well for Len, her grandpa, but uh, fortunately, he knew more German. Uh, they were, they were, so they were able to establish a relationship, right, on a small amount of language. But in order for their relationship to grow, they needed to learn a common language, right? That makes sense? What God has done is graciously laid out for us how to communicate with him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his little booklet just called Psalms, says, And so we must learn to pray. The child learns to speak because the father speaks to him. He learns the speech of his father. So we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us and speaks to us. By means of the speech of the father in heaven, his children learn to speak with him repeating God's own words after him, we begin to pray to him. So the Psalms are the spirit-inspired words given by God, about God, and to God, and of Jesus in particular. 
Colossians 3.16 implies that singing of psalms will fill us with the word of Christ. So think about it this way. Jesus is our worship leader from the psalms guiding our prayer. It's not so much about the specific words we say, but it's more of the heart of what we're saying. So make the psalms your own. You'll find yourself loving what God loves, hating what God hates, and seeing the world as God sees it. So if we're to learn this language, what's the best way, what is the best way to learn a language? Anybody know? Immersion. I heard it many times over. There are many students in here currently in immersion schools. Uh, How do we immerse ourselves in the Psalms? Well, this is, I just want to close with this, and then we're going to have another treat. Um, Well, a first treat. I'm not saying this was a treat. Uh, (laughs) um, Wasn't it a treat, the music, though, earlier? Wasn't that great? Yeah. Um, So this is five ways of immersion. So first of all, daily. Uh, It's like they say with music practice. It's, It's more important that you would practice 15 minutes every day than it would be to practice an hour every four days or, you know, two hours every week or something like that. Um, Prayerfully, dependence on the Spirit for understanding and obedience. We are dependent uh, upon the Spirit for the Scriptures to mean anything to us. Meditatively, to think on it slowly. Emotionally, Not just the head, but also the heart. Allowing yourself to feel what the Psalms are feeling. And then also communally. uh, That it wouldn't just be individual in our prayer closets, but that we would do it together. We would do it in small groups. We would do it here together. We would sing the Psalms together. Um, So this practice will empower your relationship with God as you learn the language of relating to Him. So now I'd like to actually call up Linda Gunderson and uh, just to share a little bit about her experience with this and, and with the Psalms. Hey, Linda. Hey. How are you doing? Good. Welcome Good. to up here. It's as scary as it seems, isn't it? But you've been up front before, haven't you? A little bit. Just uh, for announcements. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in general, on stages and yeah. things like that. Uh, so this is Linda Gunderson. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, just where you're from, what you do, things like that. Hmm. Um, I am from here, grew up in the cities. My husband and I are, are and were um, long-term missionaries with Reach Global. So we served in Brazil for 20 years, and then we've been stateside 11 years Um, Still with the mission, Mike travels and trains under-resourced pastors how to study the Bible and preach in Latin America. And then I am a part um, of the member care team for Reach Global, which just means I care for missionary women, mostly women. Um, And in the last couple years, went back to school to become a spiritual director. Um, So now I serve in that role um, on the member care team. Great. Well, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Um, the first, I just want to ask a couple questions, and the first one is um, kind of non-spiritual, but 
but really no, nothing is non-spiritual, is it? Everything is sacred. Um, how has language affected your relationships? Um, you know, as a missionary, I remember when we first got to Brazil, you know, I was kind of like um, your grandpa or grandma, whichever one it was, you know, you, we, we learned about 60 words in Portuguese before we left. So, you know, and some of them were household objects like a lamp, you know, not helpful. So anyway, we started building relationships with our next door neighbors um, and people were so kind and they would do, you know, generous, kind things for us. And I felt so incredibly stupid and limited because what I really wanted to say was, thank you so much. That's so kind of you, so thoughtful for you to come over or to invite us or to share your food with us. And this is what came out. Thank you. <laughs> and it felt so inadequate. And it was so inadequate to express my heart. And even after 20 years, um, you know, we as missionaries, we talk about our our language that we grew up in is our heart language. And even after 20 years, I was, you know, obviously fluent in Portuguese, but when it became time to talk about deep matters of my soul, the things that I was really feeling deeply, it was still really hard in a second language because I felt like I was missing words. I'm not even all that great. I don't know about you girls, but and some guys too. When you have a lot of strong feelings, it's even hard in your first language to, to figure out what you're feeling. But then you do it in a second language. So, yeah, it definitely has affected um, my relationships there. Um, as I learned to speak their language, I got better. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, and uh, just more specifically about the Psalms, um, how, how have the... I spoke to you earlier, so I'm assuming that you, I know that you, they have. How have the Psalms empowered your relationship with God? Yeah, I, um, I have always loved the Psalms. I think it, they're really easy to just open up and see yourself there. Um, if you look at the Psalms in my Bible, they're underlined, they're highlighted, there's dates next to certain ones, you know, that were significant to me at a certain time. There's tears you know, over them. Um, so, yeah, I just love the, the Psalms. I think um, we as, maybe as North Americans more, but we think very linear, linearly. Um, and I look at the Psalms and they are so not that. They're just, you know, all over the place. In a sense, um, what the psalmist is feeling is what he writes about I was talking with um, a gal in the last couple of weeks who said, you know, we were talking about prayer, and she said, I just haven't been able to pray. I've been going through such a hard time. And I'm like, well, why is it that you can't pray about that? She said, well, you know, I learned the acronym ACTS, you know, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, which is great. But she said, I can't figure out what to thank God for, so I just don't pray. And so we kind of opened up, you know, the Psalms quickly. And I, I read to her, I go, these are the beginning of these Psalms. Where are you, God? Why have you rejected me? Save me, for the waters have come up to my neck. How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I'm like, it's okay. We don't have to have a linear plan for everything. Um, for me personally, 
the last few years, the Psalms have been super significant. Um, I grew up in the church, and I, I was always told that God loved me, and I know it up here. And I think my whole life has been this journey, but especially felt like it went on steroids in the last few years of just moving that head knowledge of God's love to my heart. Um, you know, the Psalms teach us about God's majesty and power, and we see him in creation and we can worship him. Um, but the Psalms also teach us about being transparent about our shortcomings and who we are. Um, I love this quote. John Calvin says, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. If you think about that, if without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And sometimes I think we're told we just got to focus on God and it's not about us. And that's true. It isn't about us. But if, it, if we also don't take time to really understand what's going on inside of us, um, that hinders our relationship with God. Um, and I think as I just focused on God's amazing qualities, it made me feel worse and worse about myself and almost this sense of um, every time I approached him I felt like it was all about what I needed to change to do better um, and I want to read you just some passage some snippets if you want to just close your eyes and receive these words I mean I just Psalm 139 says, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And if you look at this psalm, it says, you know, God knows everything about us. He knows what we're doing, when we're doing it, where we're doing it, and every thought and every word, even before it leaves our tongue. And yet, he is present with us. He hems us in the, the, the ways in verse 17, I think, of that same psalm. It says, how precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. I think I just needed, um, I have slowed down. Life slows down when you're this old. Um, I can't keep up anymore. But my, I've been really trying to slow down my soul as well and... Um, and in that process, the Psalms have been just super significant for God to meet me in, I know you, Linda. I know your shortcomings. And you know what? I love you, right as you are. And so when we meet together, when I meet with God, it isn't always about fixing me, changing me. That's how I always felt. God is just saying, I just want to enjoy you. And that other stuff will come. You know, and I have seen the things that I've struggled with change, but because it comes out of a motivation of love, not a motivation of shoulds. Um, and I think, lastly, I just wanted to say, if you think of getting together with your best friend or your spouse, and every time you got together, they told you what you were doing wrong, 
what kind of relationship is that? And I think for so long, that's how I viewed my relationship with God, that every time I'm with him, I just felt bad about who I was, which is true. I mean, we have a lot of growth to do. But just to know that God wants to meet me right in that place. He loves me no matter where I'm at. And he loves me. And out of that place, it makes me go, oh, man. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I still see that. And God, you and me together, we're going to work on that. And he gives me the strength to do it. Mm. That's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can tell that you have been immersed in the Psalms and that they have affected you in a deep place. They have. So thanks for yeah, sharing. Thank you. Let's, let's give Linda a hand for her bravery. Well, as we uh, go to communion, I just want to say that ultimately, Jesus is the one who initiated relationship with us. He did the work to come down to us and become one of us, showing us that he sympathizes with our weaknesses, defeating death for us so that we could be with him forever. Jesus, when he was on the cross, like I mentioned, he quoted the Psalms. Some say he may have even been reciting the Psalms as he was on the cross, going through them, as he lamented, praised, sought confidence in God and his justice, remembering the faithfulness of his Father. How powerful of an example is that? Jesus Christ on the cross, doing those things. So I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm 22. And remember, this is Psalm 22. This isn't, this isn't from the Gospels. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. This prophetic psalm even conveys what the soldier said. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. It says, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And then Jesus also is quoted to have said, Psalm 31.5, into your command, into your hands I commit my spirit. So as we immerse, immerse ourselves in the Psalms, we immerse ourselves into the life and death and reign of Christ our Lord and resurrection. Let's take this time to remember all that Christ has done for us through taking communion together. If you believe that Jesus is God, that he paid the price for your sin by dying for you, came back to life by the power of God, offering you that same eternal life, then I invite you to take communion with us when you're ready as a symbol of his sacrifice. And if you haven't, made that decision for yourself, take this time to pray, asking God for the gift of faith, to believe that the impossible is possible and that there truly is hope in this life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, 
Holy Spirit, that you have not left us unequipped, ill-equipped for a relationship of communion with you. But Lord, you've given us many words. You've given us language to speak with you when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to say. Thank you for your grace in that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.